Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode I speak to comic book artist, writer and very nice chap Owen D. Pomery about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, Happy New Year! And I wanted to quickly apologise for being a week late with the first episode of the year. I was meant to record it an episode before this one, but there was a schedule conflict and whatnot. But hopefully today's episode with Owen will absolutely make up for it. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Owen D. Pomery. How's it going? Hello. Yeah, great. Thanks. Um, thanks for getting in touch. Oh, no, no problems at all. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on the show and it's... It's uh, a real pleasure to have you as the first guest of the new year, so thanks very much. Well, I'm very honoured about that. Uh, that feels more like a sort of circumstance than anything else, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I mean, 2020, uh, first guest, that's a good start, I think. Yeah, I think so. It's a new, it's a new decade, and um, right, exactly. I think, I think, I think there's, a, there's maybe a bit, of, a bit of hope there for the future, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see after this. Uh, this after this podcast, it has been an interesting first week of the of the first decade, with with nearly World War Three breaking out and everything. But hey ho. Well, cons- considering the theme of the show, I mean, we've never been closer to an actual apocalypse. Um, so yeah. you know, I mean, this is suddenly not hypothetical anymore. These are the comic books I would take. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, and for, for for anybody that hasn't come across you before, uh, what do you do in the world of comics? What do I do? Um, well, uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I write and, and illustrate uh, uh, comics. So my first sort of uh, debut um, sort of graphic novel was called Between the Billboards and the Authoring of Architecture, and that came out with uh, Avery Hill. And I'd, that was like a collection of uh, a series that I self-published for, for a while. Um, I have a book that has literally just come out, like uh, yesterday, um, with with top shelf uh, comics called British Ice, um, and I have some other stuff coming out later this year as well. Which I fully intend to buy, by the way, because it looks absolutely beautiful. Um, oh, thank you very much. Cheers. And they say, I, I love that concept that you've gone for. Do you want to give people a bit of a an idea of the synopsis? Yeah, um, well, it's a bit of, I've sort of slowly trying to get a more of an elevator pitch on this um, as time <laughs> has gone by. But essentially, it's about a, um, a kind of British diplomat that is sent to a fictional British overseas territory in, in the Arctic, and he's kind of uncovering these historic uh, colonial issues that have um, terrified the community over the years. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> But um, but yeah, that's pretty much what it's about. Definitely. Um, and where where can people find you on the interwebs? Um, if you go to owenpomery.com, um, that kind of links out to everything else that I do. So Twitter, Instagram, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, that's how you find me, I suppose. That's the best way. Um, yeah. And uh, for for all the listeners out there, the, those links are in the show notes, so you can click straight through right there as we're speaking, and you can look at Owen's beautiful art um, as you as you go, if you wish. <laughs> That'd be lovely. <laughs> Excellent. Um, now, uh, unfortunately, I do have some bad news for you, Owen, um, yeah. and that is that there has been a super intelligent ape uprising in South London. Um, yeah. There was there, there was actually you know there's a um, a laboratory, yeah, um, yeah, in South London, um, and I'm not exactly sure where you were, but it was in Croydon. Okay, um, okay, that's not too far away. Not too far away. Uh oh, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, they were working on uh, on a Alzheimer's cure, and then okay. ended up with these super intelligent apes. Um, so my first question for you is, what is your action plan for survival? Well, yeah, I mean. Super intelligent ape uprising. I've been saying it for years. It's um, <laughs> it was it was only a matter of time. Um, what would be my action plan? To be honest, it would be very much my survival strategy of getting through school, which is um, keep my head down um, and then I don't know, just try and befriend the apes in a way. Um, you know, learn what makes them work and uh, 
try try and try and go with the grain a little bit. Try and um, try and work with them. Um, I feel like you know, look at Planet of the Apes. It all goes wrong when you start uh, you start coming into conflict. You just got to uh, you know find, find your way in. Everyone's got a weakness. I'm sure apes have got one too. And you can turn it to your advantage over time. But it's a long game. It's a long game, I think. <laughs> nice. Play the long game. Exactly, um, yeah. And kind of try, try and collaborate with them mm. a little bit. And exactly, kind of, yeah. yeah. Trying to ingratiate sure. yourself exactly. into, into the new society. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fantastic, nice. Um, now, uh, now that you've kind of worked your way up the ranks of the of the new regime, yeah, um, yeah. and you're, you're you're one of the top top human officers well, I mean, <laughs> in the in the, in the uh, ape army. I'm flattered. You think I, I can make it so far? But yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of your your fellow uh, officers who is an ape is mm-hmm. is interested in in human culture, and um, he he wonders about comics because you've mentioned that you used to you used to create comics um Uh before before the apocalypse and uh he he first asked you what's the first comic you remember enjoying well the first comic i remember enjoying there's a few it's difficult to put your finger on it isn't it when you're when you're a kid so you can't quite remember the first thing that you saw so obviously there was stuff like the beano knocking around so i have sort of affection and memory for that i also have um do you remember the Fun Day Times? Fun it was Day Times. No. It was it was like in the in like the Sunday um, like edition of the, the, the of the of the of the Times, um, and, but it was like a, but it was like a separate supplement for kids. It was like a full sort of comic, and my grandparents used to collect it and um, and then just like give it like a stack of them to me and my brother when when we went over. And it was it was quite fascinating, really. I don't know whether it was like just a sort of lovelier time when uh, comics were distributed by the national press or whether it was a sort of like trying to like indoctrinate young readers so they would read the times when they grew grew older i don't i don't it was know probably that it was probably yeah <laughs> there was one comic in there which was like um you know the logo of the times has like the like the yeah. is it a unicorn and a and a line, yeah. Maybe, yeah. So there was a comic called uh, Rex and Tex which was about those two characters and they did things and stuff there was other stuff that was like that you knew they just like uh, bought the syndication for, I suppose, and and put that in. But I remember that quite early on. But uh, neither of those other choice I'm going for is uh, it's um, uh, Tintin and it's uh, the Black Island um, by Hergé. Um, that is definitely the one that sort of sticks out as being like, oh yeah, this is this is mine and this is this is this is what I'm what I'm all about really. Yeah. Nice. Um, and what was it that kind of stood out with that one in particular? Um, what was it about that? I suppose it, I, I, was, I was. I was. I mean, this is quite uh, apt considering the, uh, the the apocalypse we now find ourselves in. But I, I was quite into apes, so there's um, so there's right. a, so, there, so there's a big gorilla in it, which I was obviously very into. Um, I, it's sort of my first sort of uncovering of Tintin. So it was like, you know, what's not to love? It's just yeah. the kind of rich sort of landscapes and. Um, that kind of, that kind of very much kind of putting you in in his sort of shoes and like you can imagine these, yourself as Tintin. Absolutely, you? yeah. Which I, which I assume is sort of the idea. He's quite a sort of blank canvas, isn't he? I suppose you're supposed yeah. to like project yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So just the idea that you could get into all these kind of scrapes. Um, yeah, I was I was a hundred percent about about Tintin and um, and and wanted. Wanted all that came with it, including you know battling gorillas on a Scottish uh, castle island. <laughs> Classic, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> fantastic. And so, how old were you at this at this time? I really couldn't tell you. Um, it was very very young on. Uh, mm. it, it, I remember them all being in the in the library, um, so we'd always kind of go there. And I, I didn't really recognize that they were comics i think because they were the only comic in those days that was in the library yeah so my mind sort of categorized it as a book and then like yeah say like things like the beano were were a comic right. but it obviously is a comic yes. um, that's, that's not in, that's not in debate but um yeah I, I i really couldn't tell you it just feels like it's something that's always been there so it must have been pretty early on and as a kid i used to you know create my own uh Tintin Adventures. Once I'd consumed the entire catalogue, I, I started to uh, 
just carry on, or what else could he, could he be up to? I've obviously uh, read all the stories that do exist. I, need to make I wonder if those own. are still kicking around, are they? I do believe that um, some of the original manuscripts uh, are in my <laughs> in my mum's place. Um, <laughs> I think she holds on to them for sentimental reasons. Oh, no, well, no doubt. It's it's great to see that, and, and that's often where people's uh, love of comics and particularly artists comes from is kind of recreating your own stories of of well-known characters Um, yeah is is that where it started for you then i think i think almost definitely yeah um also i I grew up without a a tv so that was like a sort of like like drawing stuff was like that was a big activity you know (laughs) Um, and um and I, I mean, I'm not going to sort of preach about you know that nobody should have TVs or anything like that. I don't think that's the case, but it's it certainly helpful in like developing an imagination and things. And yeah. um, they also used to broadcast Tintin on the on the on the radio as well. I remember listening to that as a kid, and you'd sort of imagine it. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was definitely the. It was all kind of linked with that, and that's when I started creating things as, as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And so, did that did that love kind of of creating and drawing? Did that carry through school as well? Absolutely. Yeah, I was always sort of drawing throughout, um, and yeah, I mean that it, it was just kind of whatever subject it was, I could try. I was always trying to bring it around to drawing and whatever. I never really sort of thought of it as a career, which is mm. weird considering it's now my career. <laughs> yeah. So there. So maybe there was a few swerves, but like it was always there, yeah. And if I I look back now, it's just like oh yeah, it was it was ever present. Why didn't I focus on that sooner? Really? And, and when did you kind of realise that okay, I'm going to be able to make this a career? Um, maybe one or two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, I mean. It's it's kind of weird. my um, trajectory was kind of going through school and then up through I went into um, architecture so I studied mm. architecture and worked in architecture for sort of um, many years but I was sort of aware that architecture wasn't the thing I really wanted to be doing right. and I was always and the one element of it that I did enjoy was the sort of graphics and the illustration work and I was always illustrating on the side as like a hobby. As I say, I'm surprised how long it took me to realise, oh, that's the common thread and that's what I should be doing. So maybe that was about 10 years ago that I suddenly clicked and put that sort of front and centre. But then that doesn't mean things change overnight. That means you're then starting the beginning of another very big hill to climb up, really. Um, And so, yeah, kind of put in the time on that and it's just kind of slowly... Not steadily got better, but it undulates, and uh, you know it's. Um, I'm still here. I'm getting by. Um, so <laughs> you're never quite out of the woods, are you? So uh, it's no, no you got to keep on working at it. Exactly. Yeah. But um, it's it's fantastic that you know you've managed to to get to that point. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, and comics were kind of part of that, really. Like in the transition from architecture to illustration, mm. and that's when I started creating comics. At the same time, sort of like a, a sort of side point to that, really. But it all happened around the same time, and that felt like something I sort of had to do, rather than uh, part of the plan, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's been all that happened. Nice. Um, and just out of interest, seeming that you you are an architect as well, I I, I want I don't know if you know um, kind of George R R Martin uh, talks about that you know writers or storytellers you know mm-hmm. can be categorized into gardeners or architects is that his and that you know you, there is a spectrum like within right. that he says of course but do you do you think that you're more of an architect when it comes to storytelling or a gardener even though you are an architect <laughs> <laughs> well firstly I'm, I'm 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 not an architect <laughs> i studied it and worked in it for a while but um yeah uh, i couldn't uh, claim to be one uh, yeah, no longer but, yeah for a minute, I thought you were just going to ask me for some architectural advice then about sort of. Oh yeah, well I can. We, we'll <laughs> do that off, or, <laughs> after the show. We'll do that. But. Okay, well that won't be very good for you, but um, I'll see what I can do. Um, what, so, what, so what does he mean by architectural gardener? So he, he talks about that you know if if you're a gardener when you're yeah. a storyteller, um, you kind of come up with 
kind of general ideas of the story and then you just jump into the story straight away and kind of you see thing like story threads grow as you mm-hmm. as you write the story yeah. um but then when it comes to architects um which i'm i'm more um more of an architect when it comes to storytelling you know you lay out your story structure properly you know exactly what's going to happen before you actually start writing basically. yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm the architect though in that case yeah. um uh, it's yeah it's definitely that way any comic that i work has uh, work on has, has a full i do a full script it's like a screenplay before it's yeah. before it's the it's it's the comic the first bit like the like the, the conception of it and like that's a lot sort of looser. I'm just kind of like letting things sort of that more sort of ideas and that's when it's a bit more kind of threads and things like that. But that I'm not starting the thing until there is a complete arc there that that holds weight and scrutiny. Otherwise, um, it sort of feels like it could be. I, mean, I understand everyone works in different ways, but it just feels like too. Considering how long this it takes to do this kind of work. Or certainly the labour-intensive way that I do it. Um, you don't want to invest on a project that sort of turns out to be a dead end. Like I need to know that it mm. it holds water before I sort of put put it out to sea. Do you know what I mean? Oh, 100%, <laughs> uh, yeah. um, so I think I'm, I'm more the architect. I'm afraid. Yeah. No, no, not at all. That's great because um, it's always interesting to find out, you know, how people's creative process, um, like with with all of this, and you know, you just. George R. R. Martin, for instance, he he is a true gardener. He calls himself right a little bit. You know, a lot a lot of the things that he's obviously written with the Song of Ice and Fire are kind of you know all gardening aspects. You know, you got kind of got these general ideas, and he knows the ending. Okay, <laughs> he lets he let, he lets a lot of the things grow um, as the as they go. Uh, but yeah, no, okay. yeah, it's just it's really interesting. I think. I guess the the, the one odd thing which i've realized is slightly odd when i talk to other people about the way i create mm. um stories is that it often comes from an architectural sort of background in that i generally start with uh, a location um like the, the concept of a space so in uh between the billboards for example that's about a guy who lives in a in a converted water tank that's between two advertising billboards in the middle of a city. Now, the, the the idea of the space came first, and then I was thinking, oh, that's interesting. Could you live up there? Could someone fit up there? And and I was like, oh, and yeah, you probably could, but why would you be up there? So who would that person be, and why has he gone yeah, there? Yeah. And then so so that's everything so builds cool. out from from the place, and then like in yeah. uh, even in the one I've just done, which doesn't feel architectural, it started with. That image, maybe you've seen from the from the book, but it's like a kind of like a sort of Georgian townhouse, kind of like in a sort of Arctic landscape. Um, that sort of that sort of weird juxtaposed image came to me first, and I was like, why would it be there? Oh, probably because of this, and like, mm. and, and then who would go there and so forth, and it sort of builds up layers like a sort of onion from a sort of central cause. I think most people come from like a character um, background. Like, yeah. like, okay, it's this guy, and he's about mm, this. They start with the character first, and, rather yeah, than... And then, like, where would I put him or her? Um, so, so yeah, I think that's maybe a little bit odd. I don't know if that's as a result of, you know, the trajectory I've come into it from. But, um, yeah. Maybe, but it's a sound approach well, from, <laughs> from my perspective, certainly. And um, I'm looking forward to, to, to getting British ice. Oh, thanks, man. I hope you like it. Um, it's oh, quite, uh, it's quite nerve-wracking having it out. <laughs> no doubt, like, even, even it always prepared. is releasing a new, a new, a new uh, comic or graphic novel. It's like, uh, are people gonna like it? Yeah, um, yeah, and things. But no, that's great, man. Awesome. Um, so, um, going back to your conversation with your fellow uh, fellow officer, yeah, um, he he then asked you what what was the funniest comic uh, that you read or the comic that made you laugh out loud the most well he's absolutely going to love this choice <laughs> um, <laughs> because I'm going for Untitled Apes Big Adventure by uh, Steve Tillotson right. um, so the, I mean this is going very well and I didn't pick this but I've realised the first two titles uh, feature apes I mean it's basically laying my original plan out uh, perfectly but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, that's what I'm going for. 
Fantastic. And and what is it about that particular comic that kind of makes you makes you laugh out loud or you find particularly funny? Um, I would attempt to uh, summarise it, but I, I feel it's an impossible endeavour. Um, but I will, I'll tell you what amuses me about it. I think it's just the um, it's the juxtaposition and the, how sort of deftly sort of handles the the swings between quite sort of fantastical and sort of nuts surreal situations with like a very sort of down to earth linguistics and kind of like a very sort of in the pub type humor um sort of like an everyday i don't know why that particularly resonates for me but it 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 sort of amuses me every time it's about this strange sort of uh untitled ape creature um <laughs> on on this adventure with who's best described as like a purple gorilla basically yeah yeah <laughs> the sort of sort of um <laughs> sort of scream-esque sort of face of like limited yeah. sort of like emotion um and and he has um uh, a friend who's this cat um and they're sort of like a sort of um misfit sort of duo and they they head off um and he and this i mean the bit that sort of like made me realize that this was perfectly for me was there's there's a sequence like quite quite far on into it i suppose like enough of the, the adventure sort of like happened already where the ape reveals that he didn't even know that he was a cat um and just thought he was a stoat or something else. Um, <laughs> I don't know why this, this amuses me, but um, it's just kind of um, it's, it's it's very entertaining stuff. And they kind of go for these all these different kind of uh, scenarios and meet these very sort of domestic characters, despite them being things like sort of narwhals or like dogs or birds. And they will have these kind of like domestic lives and sort of very sort of real world issues in this kind of like quite sort of fantastical setting and um but it also has like this kind of real heart to it i think uh steve is like a real sort of talent and knows when to turn each sort of lever in that and it's it's great really great fantastic great um and so we're just going to change gears a little bit here um and uh, the next question that comes up is uh what's the saddest or most upsetting comic that you've read Right, um, this is, it's not ape-based, um, so, I know, I know, <laughs> uh, it's 5,000 kilometres per second by Manuel Fior, and I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but that's what I'm going for. Yeah, um, sounds about right. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's okay. Um, and, now it's obviously like more sort of, this comic's about more upsetting sort of subjects. It's, I guess, quite a selfish choice in that it's just about sort of, you know, a, a sort of human, sort of, sort of human lives and sort of relationships. I suppose where you could say something about that takes on a more weightier issue is more sort of upsetting. But, um, but I'm going to go for the the indulgent choice on this one. Um, and it's essentially about just kind of like, like a sort of misaligned relationship i suppose it sort of takes the place over like several sort of time it's this sort of time hops in it i suppose and it's like in the past and then what i assume it's sort of like present day and then it even sort of goes into the future at the, at the very end and it's just about this kind of relationship that never quite works out like it just for for the reason that sort of life gets in the way and they're sort of like misaligned it sort of feels like their timing's off um and it's so sort of sad in that in that it sort of makes you think about all relationships not necessarily romantic ones um just where you, you were what did you miss if, for being in the wrong place at the wrong time and what would it have been like if you hadn't and it's it's like an sort of uncalculable uh, equation really and you can sort of obviously drive yourself nuts trying to sort of work it out but this kind of comic just got really kind of beautifully just puts it out there um as a sort of i don't know romantic tragedy maybe um and on top of that it's just so kind of beautifully drawn in um kind of watercolor and and, and line and so sort of sort of evocative and and uh, 
just an absolute joy, really. It's a, it's a great book. Yeah, it really does kind of... I guess that those watercolours there kind of really lean into the emotion, I guess, yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of the actual story. And also the story sort of... Um, sort of jumps around in like location as well so there's it, there's there's it's been a little while since i've read it but there's bits in like scandinavia i think so like the, like the cold and then there's a bit where he's he's an archaeologist i think so he's like working in sort of egypt and it's you can feel like the heat and like all those kind of like different sort of time frames and places are so sort of so sort of well captured and sort of brought to life through through his work i think it's an incredible creator and uh yeah, great piece. That's fantastic. Um, so we're going to change gears once again okay. uh, onto, onto another uh, emotion, and that is what is the scariest or most horrifying comic that you've read? For this, I have chosen uh, Gardens of Glass by Lando, which is actually a sort of collection of uh, several of his self-published um, pieces that came out a few years ago. And if you're not aware of his stuff, it's... It's quite it, it's science fiction, but kind of leaning heavily into the kind of post-apocalyptic um, uh, sort of line of thought, I suppose. And they're all like they're little kind of generally wordless sort of vignettes into well, like it depends how you interpret them, I suppose. But like the worst, <laughs> like the worst aspects of sort of mankind, maybe. Um, like if you took that to its extreme sort of point, where would you be? So a lot of them feel like they're set in these kind of like arid sort of sort of extreme sort of climate change sort of landscapes where everything's sort of gone to hell and everyone's fighting over the last sort of few resources and things. And it's hard not to read them and think, oh god, um, is, is this really? <laughs> is this where... us in twenty fifty? Yeah, exactly, sort of thing. <laughs> And there's lots of sort of comment on sort of, uh, you know, like the structure of like power structures and things and how it's generally kind of the little guy at the bottom who's just getting crushed by all this kind of like by the weight of weight of history. It's not without humor. Uh, Lando's a sort of great creator and there's little sort of sort of nods and bits and pieces in there. But um, the worlds he's creating are so sort of like... Um, yeah, you could say a cautionary tale, or you could be like um, a sort of fateful prediction. <laughs> um, yeah, but the artwork is absolutely superb, um, and it, you, you're just in these in these worlds. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 horrifying stuff. I've never been someone who's been particularly drawn to like horror comics, I suppose. So it's it's quite hard to find something that's like, oh god, that's like grim. Um, it's just not something I'm sort of drawn to. So that's, I guess, more like a an, an existential, you know, the crisis of the, the human condition type um, meditation. Yeah, exactly. More than like it's a, it's, a, it's a guy with a knife sort of thing. Oh yeah, uh, yeah definitely. Like, like the future is potentially horrifying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's coming. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of lizards in it, so you know. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's bad on all levels <laughs> <laughs> fantastic um, now uh, the, the the next question that comes up from uh, Officer Ape yep. um, is, is one of my favourite um, questions and that is what is your favourite cover? favourite cover is uh, Killing and Dying by uh, Adrian Tomine, um which came out the other year um, yeah I mean Maybe that's it's not massively obvious in that I think most people would think it looks a bit sort of dull and <laughs> domestic because it's just right. a kind of a kind of landscape drawing of uh, kind of Danny's sort of yeah. American diner um, with with the kind of huge sort of typeface over over the top. Um, for me, it's just kind of perfect in that like there's a sort of um, tradition in comics of like of like cover art like being like check this out and then you go in like oh yeah it's, it's not all as good as that sort of thing mm. it always feels like and that's always frustrated me like it always feels like you get you're sort of let down like it's this full color, color like amazing image and you're like let's get into this and you open it up and it's just like oh there's a couple of stigmas inside and like all right <laughs> um, i'd always rather go the other way and then maybe i went too far with that on like my first book like i tried to keep 
everything off it like let's make it look as grey and sort of dull as possible and then you when you open it you go oh, okay it's a bit better than I thought but it's probably not the uh, the correct uh, approach in selling <laughs> selling books is it but um, <laughs> but no I, I, I love this I love the um, I love it if it's artwork anyway um, but it's more the restraint in this it's just such it's a collection of stories and they're and they're quite varied but quite sort of real and quite domestic and I like his ability to try and elevate those small little sort of moments into quite epic, um, sort of epic drama. And I feel that's so achieved with this cover in that it's just a sort of roadside diner. Um, yeah, it's got this kind of, this kind of monolithic sort of weight to it. You just sort of like, <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it's that that mixed with the sort of graphic design of the sort of uh, that the, the, the text over it. Um, just like it, even though I own the book, every time I sort of see it in the world, I'm sort of I still want to pick it up. I'm just like, yeah. oh yes, like I want to be in there. Yeah. Um, it's just for me, like the choices just tick all my sort of boxes, really. Um, it's not just because it's got a piece of architecture on the front, <laughs> although it does, doesn't hurt. But yeah, I'm delighted by that, and um, I think it's a, a really, really great cover. Definitely, yeah, I, I, I can see see why why it's particularly appealing, um, and particularly just because, like, obviously the um, if you if you if listeners Google this killing and dying, um, and then uh, basically kind of the probably about top two thirds of the book is kind of like the sky which is kind of like a, a very light brown and um, what's the best way to describe that color uh, yeah i suppose it's like a sort of is it a slightly mauveish but yeah, kind of more brown that's kind of yeah yes, what i was yeah. almost saying is it yeah the sky is like almost mauve until like the bottom third is where you've got this denny's uh, like this classic american diner uh, type of thing but then there's a, there's a lot of detail at the bottom it kind of goes through this transition of you know nothing at the top and then lots of detail at the bottom i i love that i love yeah. that balance um i'm always sort of i'm always drawn to it for some reason just the kind of like that that relief that kind of like trade-off or that sort of juxtaposition between like heavy detail work and then just like bang i'm just gonna let it sky run all the way up to the top yeah um I don't know. The, the, the sort it's of scale, isn't it? And particularly like with the title, as you say, it's like a really large typeface that's yeah. on it. So you, you're not going to miss the title. No, <laughs> but it's, it's it's intriguing. I think yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just um, yeah, there's something about it which is there's um, it's, it's obviously an illustrator as well, and there's like one of his illustrations from way back. It's just like a like. Like a sort of hop, like Edward Hopper esque sort of composition of like a little um, cafe on a corner. And it's sort of zoomed out with like a couple in in there, and he, he's entitled it "The Next Small Thing," which I just think sort of sums up his way of of sort of like talking about big issues, even though there's sort of nothing in the context of stuff like kind of little fleeting moments. Um, yeah, I think that's a, a really good sort of summation of his his talent, really. Definitely. Um, and I, I probably think that, you know, they, they've managed to cover up the Denny's sign with the G, <laughs> yeah. basically. So they've got around the copyright there. And then also I notice that underneath the N, just behind the roof of the Denny's, there's half a Target logo oh, yeah, as yeah. well. Um, yeah. So I, I assume that they've cut that in half so that they could get away with that as well. <laughs> That's quite possible. On the hardcover, like the um, the, the lettering is separate. It's on like a clear. It's on a clear uh, uh, like a dust jacket. Right. So the images, when you take that off, the image is completely un, uh, uh, un untouched. It's a really interesting sort of choice, and it really sort of works. I even like the soft cover edition, which is a kind of I think it's more night. I think. I think it's, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's kind of like a dark grey. Yeah, that's that right. Yeah. And and they've managed to cover up Denny's like the with like the, most of the Y and the S with the tree. That's true. Yeah, that's probably got to get some out, get some out the uh, <laughs> get some out trouble there. About. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I like it a lot. That's good. Nice. Uh, now, uh, moving on to one of our most interesting questions, and that is, uh, what is the most meaningful 
comic to you? Yeah, it's a difficult on this. Um, I didn't quite know how to read it, and I, the first like reading of it, um, I came up with a different choice. But um, this is the one that sort of not because of its subject. Sorry, I shouldn't mention what it is. It's five is the perfect number by I got, um, and it's not really for the the, the, the subject of it because it's quite a sort of although it's very well told and, and, and looks great, it's a sort of uh, like a gangster story, I suppose, like mm. an Italian kind of gangster story. And it's really, really great. But more like a sort of personal experience is that I kind of came across it at the right time to sort of realise what I wanted to do. Um, and so it's not that I wanted to emulate that, but just like, oh, there are people doing things that I aspire to. Um I never really sort of spent in time with like like sort of more genre comics, I suppose, growing up. So that wasn't like an ambition of mine. And even like the sort of alt mainstream that I'd sort of dabbled in, it wasn't really for me. Like things like I don't know, like Preacher and things like that, which was sort of like uh, different. But again, that wasn't me either. And yeah, so kind of coming into it, I was thinking, well, does anyone? sort of make the things that I like making uh, at home sort of thing and then when I came across that book I was just like oh they do and they do it really well and <laughs> this is something I would would love to one day be anywhere involved in um, yeah and just, it's just such a stunning sort of use of the of the form the, the sort of variety in art style that he, he employs across it the kind of rules that he kind of creates and breaks within it um the limited sort of color palette um there was so much in it to sort of enjoy and unpack it felt like a real sort of delight and such a sort of turning moment for for me um because up to that point it was sort of been yeah but not quite and i was like yeah okay yeah, um, I'm interested now. You've got my attention. <laughs> so, yeah, it's more of a kind of uh, meaningful in that it helped shape the direction that I that I, I went in, certainly with work, and but then everything else that comes with that. Um, you know, your life goes off in a different sort of direction. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Bit of a yeah. sliding doors moment, maybe. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, a less dramatic one in that I just picked yeah. up a book. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows where you could have ended up if it, if you didn't? Uh, well, exactly. Maybe, maybe what happens in the film? Doesn't she like bump into the other version of herself? Yeah, yeah. Well, one one version she um, she obviously she gets the the underground at the yeah. tube and goes home and catches her, That's her partner right. in bed with yeah, somebody. yeah. And the other one she misses that. Um, yeah. And then one of them has a crap time, and the other one doesn't. But they're only both end up in the same place. Yeah, so exactly. Kind of it's, it's just it's, it's, just it's sort a of fork in the road. It should be a fork in the road, and that you end up in the same place. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, if there was a message, I think it got a little bit lost in sliding doors because yeah. it basically said, "Whatever you do, it'll be right." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, fantastic. But yeah, but no, it's great that you've got that. That you know you can you can pin it onto something that you know really kind of you know, showed you a, a certain direction to go. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, there was obviously a lot of other things that were sort of coming across about the same time. Sure. Um, but um, that's the one that really sort of stands out. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. great. Uh, now, next question um, is, uh, what is the most underrated comic that you've read? This is quite a tricky one as well, because underrated is a difficult term to sort of, um, because some people are underrated in, in like, it's like, artists or creators that are like huge in some countries like people haven't heard of them over here or so they're sort of but that's not to say they're underrated but i've gone for um a book called lost girl by nabil kanan and it's not so much the book i think it's more nabil kanan really he's like he was um i just think he, like more people should be aware of, of his work um he he produced a series called Exit, which came out in the nineties, I think, right. um, which was had just had this really kind of unique art style. This kind of like 
really sort of click. It's sort of, some of it's quite classic, but then it's got this kind of, such a modern sort of aesthetic with these kind of like vertical lines. Um, it's uh, Lost Girl is like a sort of standalone sort of graphic novel, um, but like the sort of the amount you can sort of convey in such a sort of it's all black and white and just these kind of like different gradations of line uh, is, is, is really, is really something special. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I think he has some sort of personal circumstance that, that uh, means he's not around as, as much. And I don't know what that is or wish to sort of speculate on it, but um, that aside, like I feel like people should be celebrating the work that he has done uh, sort of so much, so much more. He did another book called the birthday riots, which is also great about sort of, sort of political unrest and things like that and I've not read but it was one called The Drowners I think um, but I think he's just like an incredible sort of talent and when I came across his work um, it sort of really sort of uh, spoke to me particularly artistically at the time like working on sort of between the billboards and things like that and uh, yeah uh, I think he's uh, very underrated Mainly just because no one's sort of heard of him, basically. Yeah, because where, where's he from? Uh, I don't know. I think he's based in the UK. Um, okay, right. uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I'm right in saying that. I could be wrong. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so that's, that's what that's what I'm going for. And and obviously those titles are quite hard to find now because they're like kind of sold out or um, I kind of got my copy of like Lost Girl secondhand somewhere and read some other stuff in the library and things. And, um, yeah, yeah, but I think it's one of the one of the, one of the greats, really. Definitely, yeah, yeah, because he he is British, um, and yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't heard of him before, so um, yeah, definitely, obviously needs needs a lot more um, uh, promoting, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this helps in any way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had the pleasure of seeing one of his originals once, like in an exhibition as well, and it was. Oh, it was a real, real joy to see. Um, it's a real exercise in sort of uh, maybe minimalism is the wrong word, but just like, like just choosing the right lines and uh, and saying saying so much with them. It's uh, I've not really seen a, a style like it. It's good. Nice, excellent. Um, now we come on to the most difficult question. Um, okay, that is for you. What is the best comic of all time? Well. Um, I almost put this as the uh, most meaningful um, as well, but I thought it would be uh, be wrong to double up. Um, <laughs> uh, I've gone for Asterius Polyp by uh, David Muskelly. Um Yeah, I mean that that for me, I think, is the best comic of all time still, and has been uh, probably since I read it. I think. <laughs> and 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 what's that about? Um, again, not because. Uh, of the uh, shared profession, but it's about an architect. Um, but he's a sort of um, he's a sort of uh, he's like a paper architect, and that he doesn't really sort of build anything. He sort of has these kind of theories, and he sort of lectures on stuff. And he has this life that's quite kind of content, and he seems the kind of like like master of. And then, kind of like, uh, sort of through a relationship, sort of like, sort of questions all that down to a sort of quite a sort of molecular level of sort of what is the point of sort of all this human existence and everything, and it kind of spirals off and and in that quite sort of simple domestic story, we kind of talk about the yeah the real big big questions, I suppose. Um, you know, some people have said it's a bit pretentious or, or, or whatever. I I'd, I'd sort of disagree, really. I think it has quite a sort of heart, and it's mm. attempting to sort of interrogate the stuff that we all are, really. And and on top of that, I think it's just one of the great examples of of the form, really, because because it uses it so well. Um, and I can't imagine it being created in another medium which i think is always quite a good gauge of whether is, yeah. some, something's any good like it, like i don't want to see like 
I don't want to see a film at this or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It only works in yeah. comics. Yeah. And there's so many little kind of visual tricks and things that he uses it. Not tricks, because that makes it sound kind of gimmicky, but like, um, it's like things I hadn't even thought of are using. Like, he uses like a different like hand handwriting for the letters of the different people who are speaking. So you can almost like feel their accents and the way they speak, or different mm-hmm. like drawing techniques for drawing the different characters, um, which sort of like, represent who they are on some sort of like um more sort of basic level like their sort of fundamental principles of like what sort of drives them and that's how they're sort of represented um and the colors that uh, he uses to sort of uh to show different people and their character it's just um it feels so effortless as well like the the, mm. the actual drawing of it it looks like he's just kind of almost like like one stroke he's just kind of like <laughs> hit it but I'm sure it's not not the case but it it just feels like it's just come out as this kind of fully formed thing it doesn't look like anything else you're not like oh yeah I see what this has come about like I you know I really like Edge and Tom for example but you can see the evolution of that from sort of like classic sort of you know 50s comics or, or whatever you can sort of see his influences clearer um, with this it's like I don't know I don't know where this has come from. This has come from the sort of fully formed from the from this guy's mind. Um, yeah, and it just well as a personal thing, it sort of it just sort of speaks to my sort of aesthetic as well. The, 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 the again that sort of juxtaposition between kind of like quite meticulous line work and then the use of like empty space and knowing when to sort of deploy those is a real is the real sort of trick of it, really. Oh, definitely. Like when you just see something that you know, you can see there's been so much thought that's been put into it, and it's executed so well. It's you know, it's wonderful to see, isn't it? It really is. It sort of feels like um, well, that's a bit of a cliche, but like a kind of like a symphony. You know, things kind of working yeah. independently, and it all just kind of comes together as this kind of this sort of beautiful kind of creation. It's. Um, it's quite sort of flooring, you know, to to mm. to, to read it. And obviously, like, the story's uh, got is, you know, some big stuff going on there. It's got emotional heft, and um, you know, it's kind of spoke to me as well. But kind of the weight of the achievement on top of that is uh, it's it's a sta- it's a staggering work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, having said that, um, we come on to our last question. And that is, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, uh, which would it be? Well, we've sort of come full circle here, because I'm going to go back to uh, to Tintin. Um, but in this case, it will be uh, Tintin in Tibet, because um, that, I think, has to be my favourite. And also, given the context, I mean, there's some great books on that list, and, you know, Asterius Pollock being one. Um, but... It's, it's not always a fun time like and if i'm in the apocalypse i want <laughs> i want something that i'm going to read and get so just pure kind of enjoyment out of it yeah and, some true and, escapism exactly yeah i don't want to be thinking about my life uh, <laughs> with any more scrutiny than's necessary um in the apocalypse um and tintin tibet is is just it's just staggeringly uh beautiful as well i mean I'm, i like all the tintin books but like it's a particular favorite I like it because I guess normally he's like um, it's sort of in the right period of in that it's sort of like he knows who Tintin is and what it's about, but it hasn't kind of like some of the later titles. I feel like you can sort of tell he's I don't know losing his enjoyment of the character or losing sort of direction. But it sort of feels like the in the best sort of period. It's also quite unique in that like it's. It's one of the few, or maybe the only one, where it's not like Tintin's trying to bring some bad guys to justice. It's it's just he's going to find his friend who he believes is alive um, in in the mountains. Um, I mean, it's just such as kind of even in in the canon of Tintin, it's like quite a sort of touching and sort of unique sort of story in that it's just going to help this guy out or attempt to save him. Which is just kind of like quite a lovely, sort of heartwarming story. On top of that, it's sort of it's set in the in the in the Himalayas, and it's just drawn so beautifully, like the snow and the you know the 
the feeling. I remember reading it as a kid, and I still get the same feeling now. Mm-hmm. And I still feel it's like influence in when I'm creating, I'm, when I'm drawing some rocks or something. I'm like, why are you drawing it like that? Oh, of course you're drawing it like this, because <laughs> it's sort of now part of your DNA, because you read this when you are so young, you've read it so many times since, that like, how would you ever draw snow differently? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that's, you know, not to say that I'm in any way um, close to achieving it, but, um, you know, it's... Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's constantly there for me, I think, and it would be a delight to just kind of immerse myself in that world. Also, you know, as with all the Tintin books, it's still it's still really funny. Like, it's yeah. just, it's like great escapism, um, and it's it's great, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, Owen D. Pomery, thank you so much for sharing your comics with the Apocalypse today. You're very welcome. It's been, a, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Oh, fantastic. Um, and one last time for the listeners, uh, where can they find you on the internet? Owenpomery.com um, is my website, and that has, as I say, everything you need to know about projects and bits and pieces. But I'm also on uh, Twitter, that's ODPomery, and also Instagram as well, that's also ODPomery. So it's also uh, a fairly sort of unique name. I don't think there's any other Owen Pomery out there, so if you just Google that, you, you you just get me, which is um, I don't think my parents know me as a marketing strategy, but it's been uh, it's been quite handy. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Certainly had no trouble getting my domain. So uh, no, that's surprising. <laughs> that's great. Uh, and then, do you have any events coming out this year at all? Um, n- nothing that's like absolutely confirmed. Um, other than uh, I have a launch for um, for British Ice coming up in, uh, next month. Um, but I'm not entirely sure the date has been confirmed. Um, okay. And um, where will, will that be in London? That will be in London, yeah. But I hope to be at a few events uh, this year as, as well. Uh, what with what with a new book out? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I'll, I'll certainly look out for that on Twitter um, and the like. You. And you never know, I could I might be able to drop by. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, please do. Oh, absolutely, mate. Cool. Okie doke. Uh, well, thanks again uh, for your time today, Owen. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing your, your career go from strength to strength. Thanks again. Thank you. It's been Great. a pleasure. Thanks, Owen. Bye. Cheers. Thanks again to Owen for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. And if you'd like to check out Owen's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.